Welcome to the 5G Tech Rhetoric Podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. But now, let's go to panel discussion and its first year of 5G, the operator's view, which will be hosted by GSMA. And for the first time, large mobile operators will give their view on the first year of 5G deployment in the regions where they operate. And we will have a moderator of this discussion panel, head of public policy at GSMA Europe, Mr. Laszlo Todd. And Laszlo, you're on to announce what you are going to talk about and your discussion panelists. Thank you, Vadis. Uh, good morning, everyone. I hope uh, you can hear me well. Um, last year, we had the opportunity to be physically in uh, beautiful Riga for the uh, 5G territory, and we mostly talked about trials and announced launch dates for 5G services. Nevertheless, there was a broad agreement that 5G is more than just a generational step and represents a fundamental transformation of the role that mobile technology plays in uh, society and economy. And since then, the COVID-19 pandemic revealed with great clarity the importance of digitalization, and as we face the economic consequences of the crisis, digital ambition seems to be uh, pressing uh, more pressing than ever. And in the meantime, many mobile operators have launched 5G services, so today we have the opportunity to discuss the experience and the remaining challenges, in particular from uh, mobile operators' point of view. And I've been joined by excellent panelists today. I would like to welcome them on, on stage or, or virtual stage, uh, some of them. And uh, first of all, uh, uh, let me introduce Claudia Selly, who is Executive Director of the, for European and Political Affairs, and also uh, Head of the Brussels Office at AT&T. She advocates uh, AT&T's positions in uh, Brussels and Europe, also active in international organizations such as ICANN, and uh, uh, Brussels uh, associations. She serves as a, uh, a board member uh, and chair of the Digital Economy Committee at American Chamber uh, of Commerce to the EU. And prior to joining AT&T, uh, she worked at the European Commission and the European Parliament. Uh, Claudia, we are eager to hear uh, AT&T's experience in 5G deployment. Uh, the, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Laszlo, and thank you uh, very much for having me here today with you. I'm, I'm really honored to be part of this uh, discussion and this very interesting panel. I wanted to focus my initial remarks on two main points. Uh, first of all, the impact, as you were saying, Laszlo, that the COVID has been having on all of us and on our network. And secondly, also on uh, policy uh, or regulatory wish lists uh, to allow 5G deployment. So as you were saying, one important lesson that the health pandemic has, has taught us is certainly that access to uh, high-speed, reliable, stable connection is key not only for our future, but certainly in our lives. While during the lockdowns, many, many activities have been shutting down, schools have been closing, uh, you know, the digital technologies have really allowed us to continue operating online, buying online, learning online, and this conference is a clear and excellent example of that. Um, at at and we are committed, uh, committed, of course, to building the 5G-enabled future. And during the lockdown, at the height of the lockdown in March, we have really seen a spike in uh, data traffic on our network. In fact, 
if you take dates in March um, compared to February, we have seen an increase of about 20% on data traffic in our uh, network. We are carrying more data than ever. In fact, since uh, uh, I mean, we have around 391 petabytes uh, of data, 20% more than pre-pandemic. And also, you know, since 2007, we have seen a spike in data traffic around 580,000 um, percent. And of course, this requires investment. We have been investing around 135 billion US dollar um, in, in, in US market. And, uh, and then back in July, we also have announced our presence in around 395 markets. So, of course, 5G brings uh, certain requirements, but as well, a lot of opportunities. In fact, if you think that it can support around 3 million jobs and uh, certainly uh, add 500 billion US uh, dollars to, uh, you know, basically the US GDP, it's incredible. And we think that by 2022, this uh, 2035, uh, sorry, this could uh, certainly um, support as well around 22 um, million jobs. So it's really incredible. But what is required for that as well to happen? I think that uh, government can be very helpful uh, in different areas, certainly, certainly in creating an environment that can foster investment. And I see uh, three main areas for intervention. First of all, implement uh, what they are called the Prague proposals, which call for open, interoperable, secure standard, as well as industry best practices. Secondly, make more spectrum available on the market for operator to be able and plan. In fact, it's critical for operator uh, to be able and plan, and we need, we need to think today about the necessity of the of the future and i think that the fcc has been doing a great job in bringing and making available you know spectrum on the market for operators to be able and basically deploy 5g uh, last but not least fostering an innovative environment that can create uh, you know um, also for 5g use cases uh, in a twofold way from one end prioritize uh, security of supply chain, which is certainly critical. And secondly, also ensuring a level playing field in international trade by avoiding data localization and by fostering policies that can allow data to move freely and be portable. So it is really difficult to predict how the future will look like, but certainly more digital. More people might be working from home, more interaction might be happening online and sales uh, will be online, more devices and IoT. So it's critical and essential that we all work together also with government and industry to create the right environment for 5G uh, to, to spur. And I think it's, uh, it will certainly play a central and a key role. And I'll stop here. Thank you very much for listening to me. Thanks a lot, Claudia. Uh, thanks for all these uh, thoughtful uh, remarks. We will discuss them a little bit uh, in more details uh, in the, uh, in the uh, debate. But uh, now I would like to introduce uh, Wolfgang Kopp, who is uh, Senior Vice President for Group Public and Regulatory Affairs at Deutsche Telekom, reporting to the CEO. Wolfgang joined DT in 1995 
And uh, since then, he had various senior positions at DD headquarters as well as in uh, T-Mobile. He was responsible for market entry projects in various European countries, also the regulatory part of DT's US market entry. He has been instrumental for a variety of successful projects at DT Group. And prior to DT, he worked for an international law firm and also uh, the European Commission. Wolfgang, uh, please uh, let us know how you see the developments on 5G in Europe and from Deutsche Telekom's point of view. Well, thank you, Laszlo. Um, I, what Claudia said already, um, this is uh, really true um, when it comes to how our networks have to carry additional traffic. And uh, in the middle traffic um, I'm having here gives you some ideas on German traffic and also on um, average European traffic and uh, um, what we had to carry within um, one or two weeks uh, throughout Europe in, in terms of additional traffic. The good uh, news is I think almost all European networks didn't have any problems in carrying these large traffic numbers. Um, that shows the resilience of our industry and um, also the ability to cope with unforeseen crises. I mean, we are a critical infrastructure and um, looking at these traffic increases, that's a very good news for everybody um, um, working on, on such topics. Um, we at Deutsche Telekom had also quite um, interesting tasks to cope. So uh, within three days, we had to uh, transfer all, almost all employees into home office, including our call centers um, that worked without any um, difficulties. Um, everybody even inside Deutsche Telekom was surprised how um, smooth that worked. And we later found out, and we now know, uh, call centers uh, in home office are more efficient than call centers in office spaces. So that will also tell you something um, about the future of our work. And we have today no time to discuss this, but this is an important uh, result of COVID, of course. Um, in addition, uh, we were tasked to develop the German um, Corona Warning App. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, co-leading uh, this project. And uh, that was also quite interesting how fast two companies, Deutsche Telekom and SAP, could work together and develop an app which now has more than 22 million. This week we went over to 22 million downloads and which works quite well. This reason, um, or this success was the reason that we are also developing um, the European Federation Gateway. And we now have 11 um, European apps interconnecting and interchanging their information um, at EU level already. So that's a good news for COVID um, in the future. Um, one thing. Um, I'm mentioning is also schools, and that's um, important for COVID. Um, that was the big uh, failure in Germany. The schools were digitized, and there, I think, our um, industry has a big task also to help schools to digitize and to connect. 
If you look, and uh, Claudia is from the US, and Deutsche Telekom is now the second biggest uh, mobile operator in, in the US. Um, if you compare EU and uh, US, um, you can see some of the challenges um, we are having in Europe when it comes to 5G. And um, before I start with 5G, I just wanted to show you these numbers. I mean, if you look at the revenue development, you can see that US telcos have a huge growth. In Europe, the industry is shrinking. If you look at the market cap of the companies, it's even worse. Um, by the way, Deutsche Telekom is the only, um, uh, together with Vodafone, are the only um, telcos still in the euro stocks. Telefonica and Orange fall out, and others uh, didn't go in at all. Um, if you then look uh, what the reason might be there, um, you have to look at um, the, not only the revenues, but also the profits. And uh, Rosie is the number which gives you an idea how profitable we are. And there's a huge gap between the US and the EU um, when it comes to profits. And that gives us not enough ability to invest. And uh, that's the reason why CAPEX, or the investments per head, um, are so low in U EU and um, are bigger, much bigger in the US. And this is the reason why we are investing in the US $40 billion um, dollars in um, 4G and now in 5G we continue to um, invest that level and we are having problems in Europe to, to invest the same numbers. Um, going back to COVID for one moment, I mean, if you look at the the ones who are using our networks, 80% of the traffic is OTT traffic. They were the big winners. They were the real winners of COVID. And um, the combined uh, market cap of GAFAM is now 5.5 trillion. Um, that's a number which nobody can really imagine. And if you just look at the cash reserves, they are almost uh, the sum the European Recovery Fund has. So there you see the, the real imbalance in tech in Europe. So let me finally come to the real topic, 5G, and how, to, and how we progress. I mean, what we are doing, and uh, by preparing a full coverage LTE, we were able to upgrade our networks very, very fastly in Germany. Um, and that's the reason why we um, even before the standard was ready, started in preparing the whole rollout. And by end of the year, we are, will exceed 67% of term population in 5G, um, which is a nice result. Um, but anything beyond that is now big investment. Additional tenders, additional um, siting, and uh, will cost a lot of money. This is mainly a software upgrade, to be honest. Um, we are doing the same in our European footprint. Um, and as I said, in the US, we are investing large scale. We are really spending big money. Um, and that's what we are, um, already did and to continue to do. And that gives you the, um, the lower line, um, the numbers. 
Um, let me finish with some investment challenges uh, we are having in Europe. And they are related to the numbers I, um, I showed you before. Um, I think in Europe, we are not only scattered, uh, we have country by country uh, different regulation. Uh, we increasingly have political intervention. And by that, we have auctions which are not really um, following market logic. And this is, I think, the main problem in Europe. Um, we've seen so many political intervention in auction with um, conditions which have nothing to do with sound uh, mobile planning or uh, build-out, um, that we will not see the uptake of 5G as we see it in the US. Um, I think one of the biggest issues at the moment is that regulators have the idea that national roaming and some service providers could add to coverage. I don't know why this came up, um, it's uh, it's a topic we are seeing in, in different countries, also in my home country, but particularly in the Czech Republic and Portugal, um, where we really having problems to understand um, why this should help uh, coverage. Uh, to the contrary, national roaming never helped anybody to, to uh, add any coverage. And um, what we are also missing in Europe is... Um, properties for siting. And I think um, the biggest issue should be here that we get access to public property in order to build up our networks. So I stop here um, and leave most of it to the discussion. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Organg. A lot of uh, uh, topics and, and, uh, and thoughts which we can further discuss. Before that, I would like to introduce our third panel, Sigurd Spinder, who is in the, uh, the studio. He is the president of the Latvian mobile uh, telephony since 2000, uh, since 1992. Uh, and also chairman of uh, the management board of the company since 2004. He's also a professor at uh, Vitsema University of Applied Sciences and vice president of the Latvian Information and Communications Technology Association. Prior to becoming uh, the president of uh, LMT, uh, he was the chief technologist and uh, head of technological department at the Science Research Institute, uh, VEF. Uh, Yuri Pinder has received several awards. In 2001, he received the Order of the Three Stars of the uh, Republic of Latvia, and in 2014, the Swedish State Award, the Order of the Polar Star. Uh, Yuris, if you can uh, hear us in the studio, uh, the floor is yours. You have the opportunity to be there in physical presence. Please let us know your views on 5G development. Uh, okay, uh, thank you, Laszlo. Uh, hello, everybody, uh, our, uh, my partners, and uh, also uh, all the people around the world who are following our session. Uh, 5G is a very, very interesting uh, uh, issue which has uh, different uh, angles and different aspects. Uh, first of all, this is a technology uh, which allows uh, to uh, build out the mobile <coughs> wireless network uh, with a high speed, with a low latencies. And uh, from the operator's perspective, it's, uh, it's just the next step 
in uh, further development because uh, operators build the first, second, third and fourth generation networks around uh, countrywide. And uh, definitely we will build the fifth generation as well. From the, uh, therefore, from the uh, operator's perspective, this is just the next step. Uh, another issue is that uh, by building this uh, network infrastructure, in fact, we are building the empty house where uh, we have no furniture inside, no uh, technical appliances, and uh, definitely it's quite difficult to live in such house. Uh, therefore, it's uh, most important, it's the second angle, uh, how to fill up the, uh, our house with the applications, with the use cases which are necessary not for the operators as such, but uh, for the many industries and society. Because uh, according to the definitions, the 5G network and 5G technology is basically industrial uh, network which uh, will support uh, different industries, different uh, uh, areas uh, of the utilization. And this is the most important part uh, of uh, the further development. Uh, many of uh, operators uh, are nowadays thinking about the utilization uh, of 5G networks, uh, first of all for the mobile broadband. Uh, in Latvia, we very successfully uh, utilized the uh, 4G network for the mobile broadband. And as a result, uh, we, uh, our customers are spending approximately uh, uh, 20 gigabytes per user per month, which uh, makes Latvia as a, a top three uh, user uh, of mobile data. Uh, uh, on the other hand, it means that our uh, people, uh, our customers are uh, very well prepared for the further expansion of uh, the uh, data uh, traffic spendings. Uh, the third aspect is the uh, uh, social aspect. Uh, because uh, we know that uh, there is a lot of hype around uh, the 5G. It, in fact, it doesn't help uh, very much for all parties, for operators, for uh, vendors, uh, and also for the society. Uh, different uh, gossips about the, uh, how dangerous is the 5G frequencies, what is the correlation with the COVID-19 uh, expansion and pandemics and, and other uh, issues. Uh, from one side, of course, this is, these are fantasies of the uh, supporters of the flat uh, earth uh, idea. Uh, on the other hand, it, it is important to con uh, convince the uh, society that 5G is uh, just next step and it's not uh, nothing very very specific uh, and uh, yeah uh, if we are uh, returning a little bit back to the uh, development of the uh, network there again there will be several steps uh, the first step uh, 
uh, will be the uh, integrated solutions where the radio network will be integrated with the current 4G technologies. And on the next step, uh, uh, there will be built up the standalone systems. Uh, in fact, the uh, situation in Latvia and I assume in some other countries as well, it's a good opportunity to create the environment as a test bed where to test the different solutions, not only for uh, mobile broadband, but also for medicine, for the uh, drones uh, staring beyond the line of uh, sight uh, for uh, safety, uh, traffic safety and uh, traffic management. Uh, many of uh, these solutions can be developed and tested by utilizing existing uh, 4G network and uh, this integrated uh, 4 plus 5G networks. So, uh, this is a very interesting time, uh, a lot of challenges, and uh, I uh, very much appreciate uh, this uh, forum where we can exchange uh, our opinions from different branches, starting from the operators, vendors, policy makers, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I foresee very interesting discussions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks a lot, Joris. And uh, I, I noted that uh, obviously all of you uh, touched upon the uh, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic and the uh, the, the challenges uh, networks had to uh, survive and upheld uh, uh, to the critical uh, um, times. Also, uh, we mentioned the, you mentioned the. Uh, the skeptical voices around technology, anti-fagi. Uh, I just wanted to ask how you see uh, in the longer run uh, uh, whether how digitalization would accelerate and, and how this would help uh, the 5G deployment and, and whether the, uh, 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 the governments and, uh, uh, and the state would have a role. Uh, we see in Europe, for example, that uh, there's a lot of emphasis is put on a digital recovery even uh, with uh, a, a significant amount of funds will be available. And also in the US, of course, 5G uh, uh, has been a, a really big ticket and important uh, uh, for the state as well. Uh, how do you see the developments uh, after the, uh, these crucial times in the longer run? Would it, would it help uh, or uh, a, a quicker 5G development? Uh, I think uh, that uh, uh, yeah. uh, I think that uh, uh, mobile technologies and 5G in uh, in the nearest future will play a very crucial role in the digital transformation uh, of uh, uh, all the economy and societies, uh, especially considering all the limitations created by COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, there are some countries uh, which are ahead and they are uh, using these advantages. Uh, other countries will, will follow and, and definitely uh, we have to speak about the increased digital literacy. Because so far until uh, uh, there is a no external reason and external pressure to learn and to use 
uh, the technologies and advantages of the technologies. Uh, basically, people are are lazy and not adopting very very fast and with great pleasure. Uh, however, the current situation is that if you want to continue to work, to educate uh, children, to develop the economy. Uh, therefore, uh, it's necessary to, uh, beside the, uh, or apart uh, the technological development, uh, it's also necessary to have this uh, educational uh, component uh, for all the society, that the technologies are tools for the uh, better working, better living, better uh, living standards, better education. Thank you. Thank you, Iris. I, I think, uh, uh, as I mentioned, there will be uh, uh, some funds available, particularly in Europe, and maybe that's uh, an opportunity also for using digital literacy. Are there any areas you would see important to put some uh, uh, European emphasis or, or uh, some funds into that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think this is a, a part uh, of uh, overall uh, development and uh, uh, by, by due to this uh, pandemic isolation, uh, it's also a uh, need to use uh, uh, European funds uh, for the social restructuring as well, for these education programs, uh, uh, because uh, there is a quite huge difference uh, uh, how to uh, teach uh, and train uh, children uh, in, in the presence and how to do in the virtual uh, environment. And uh, this is uh, the same like in industries, that the digital transformation doesn't mean that you are uh, uh, transferring uh, from the paper form to uh, Excel format the table, but uh, you need to review all the processes which are in connection, con connected uh, to this uh, transformation. And the same is, is also in education. The environment is good, but uh, like in, uh, in 5G infrastructure, we have to fill this uh, environment with uh, comfortable furniture, with uh, uh, methods uh, of uh, uh, remote uh, training and education. And of course, uh, uh, European funds uh, have to play a significant role in supporting these processes. Well, thank you, thank you, Yuris. Before maybe we, we talk about a little bit of the furniture, uh, uh, first about the connectivity, which is uh, obviously prerequisite uh, for that. Uh, I also um, see on the slides, and Wolfgang, you mentioned uh, supply chain disruptions. Uh, which play an important role uh, uh, in Europe and also worldwide in, in 5G development. Are there any uh, uh, thoughts or solutions uh, uh, you would suggest uh, in this area or, or how regulators can help uh, with this approach, this uh, issue? Well, I think um, this is um, this is the result of a, um, a wider game. Um, 
Of, um, when the U.S. went after uh, Huawei, I mean, this was only the first uh, start. What we are now seeing is, um, and that's impacting the entire 5G environment, uh, export restrictions on microchips, an industry which is completely globalized and where the value chain is uh, distributed all over the world. Um, if you they're starting to, to interfere, um, this um, might have unforeseen impacts uh, on not only uh, network equipment, but also on, on um, handsets. Um, and that's an interesting development uh, going on at the moment. And I don't think that um, um, the new president um, will change much. Um, this uh, this policy will go on, and we have to adopt. So that's uh, that's one of the, the the first things where we as a telco industry have no real influence. Um, um, the only thing we can do is securing supply of the right equipment. Um, for the for the future, but if uh, microchips are not available for that equipment, when you uh, you're in limbo again. Um, with regard to um, the radio access uh, equipment, and that's um, that's a big topic, um, which is not directly related to the 5G standard, but which is now widely discussed all over the world. Uh, we are talking here about uh, open radio access network, open run. Um, we have an alliance in the US and we have also similar um, initiatives in Europe. And I think there it will be very, very important for us to, to accelerate this development in order to have more choice of vendors. I think um, um, the entire mobile industry um, is in a, in a not very comfortable situation that we are relying basically on um, three big vendors worldwide, and then we are having some smaller. Um, and one of the big and one of the smaller is not uh, available in, um, in some parts of the world, and there's a lot of pressure not to deploy it in, in Europe either. Um, so um, to us um, in the industry, I think the answer can only be that we widen the spread of the vendors. And here the, the standard of 5G gives us um, opportunities because um, with the cloudification and software-defined networks, which is part of 5G, part of the network steering will be in the cloud or mobile edge cloud. Um, and then the radio access network uh, can be um, constructed differently. And if we find enough um, um, money and initiatives to, to push that forward, um, we will have um, more choices maybe in three to four years. And that's also a big project. Um, as I understand, EU commissioners now um, supporting with a so-called IPSA, important project of common European interest. Um, and also in Germany, we, we reserve 2 billion euros only for the development of open run. 
So I'm pretty optimistic that we can push this forward. Thank you, Wolfgang. Claudia, you also alluded to these open standards. So maybe you want to share uh, uh, your views on that from AT&T's point of view. Thank you very much, uh, Laszlo, and uh, I very much agree also with what Wolfgang has just uh, highlighted. Of course, as I was saying, you know, the security of the supply chain is certainly uh, critical and important. Innovation uh, in network archit architecture, such as software-defined network and more security as well in the edge will be uh, critical. And also what we think is important is creating open, interoperable uh, technologies with an open interface. And this is an effort which is carried out by the uh, ORAN, uh, which is basically, uh, you know, a carrier-led effort to drive uh, new levels of, of openness in the radio access network. And we think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good uh, alliance where uh, we, we discuss openly with different uh, carriers and, and we're trying also to make uh, the networks more open and, and smarter. And so um, this spurs certainly innovation as well as competition uh, and we will certainly also help 5G uh, development and, uh, and, and deployment. Also, the, the effort around, uh, you know, the, the three GPP um, standards uh, for over-the-air interface can enhance security between the 5G mobile devices and 5G network. Uh, so also there, engineers as well as scientists and others, uh, builders debate problems and provide solution as well to uh, in, in this key, uh, key body to standard setting process uh, as well. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you. Maybe as we, I'm also mindful of the time and wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the use cases and, uh, and, and what are the most promising use cases beyond uh, mobile broadband. And uh, in particular, how, I'd like to ask, how do you see the role of uh, verticals here? Many, many of them uh, are showing interest, even to the extent that they are requesting spectrum resources to build networks themselves. Uh, how, how do you see uh, uh, this development uh, uh, in the vertical space? Well, in Germany, we are in the midst of this already because, as uh, maybe not everybody knows, uh, we have 100 megahertz reserved for verticals and compass networks. And we now have already um, two dozen compass networks being built or already built. Um, so what we are observing here is that um, there's a lot of um, um, testing, of course, and, and, and uh, trying to find out how um, 5G really in, in a campus environment works. Um, I think the, the, um, the standard is uh, as such as that the, the efficiency gains and also the, the productivity gains in, in consequence are um, promising. Um, I think um, 5G can really deliver what, uh, what it promised. Um, I mean, we need to, to wait for release 17, um, um, where we then have really the, um, the real low latency abilities and also the the centimeter level of accuracy, and we can also expand um, capacity there. Um, but that will come 
I think in a year, um, or maybe one and a half years, so, um, and uh, pre-standard stuff is already being deployed in Germany and, and campuses. Um, when it comes to the, the network as such, I mean, we are connecting such campuses and applications, um, but that's not the big business in the beginning. I think um, um, we are saying, well, mobile broadband, that's not a use case. I think it's a use case. Um, and uh, there's the demand for even more broadband. Um, and especially in COVID times, um, um, we are seeing that uh, mobile broadband is consumed. So um, that's one use case. Another use case, and there I'm coming to um, South Korea, they are having a huge use case in gaming. And this is why we at Deutsche Telekom are also teaming up with SK Telekom in Korea to learn more and to develop devices which might also be interesting for the European market. Um, so there are some initial use cases, but I think the, the broadband use case is not too bad. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt your discussion because we need some time for asking questions to the panelists from our audience. And, yes, sure. Uh, and uh, we have a uh, few questions uh, on this subject. Some of them are very specific. So I would be really happy that you could send, uh, spend some, maybe some five minutes to go to the platform and answer them um, specifically. Uh, they are quite complicated and quite simple ones. The, the most simple one is, are there any estimation when we could really expect 5G as a commodity? Jan Soupmans is asking. Very briefly, the year. <clears throat> Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the full coverage uh, we can expect maybe after uh, five, five to ten years because uh, considering the uh, previous experience how the uh, previous uh, generation networks were built out. Mm -hmm. All right. Claudia, Wolfgang, Laszlo? Well, I think... Um, um Commodity is not something I, I like. I mean, that would mean we are not earning any money anymore. But if it uh, if it's meant like uh, um, full coverage, um, I showed on my slide that we expect to be ready in 24, 25 in Germany and uh, maybe a year later in other European countries. In the US, we might be even faster. So. Um, it's coming, and it's coming faster than previous technology. Mm -hmm. All right. And, yeah, uh, sure. And, 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 and as I have said also during my uh, kickoff remark, uh, in, uh, in the U.S., we are a bit ahead. And in fact, we have announced back in July that we are present already in 395 markets, so almost uh, the whole uh, territory, basically. So we are, we, are, uh, we are already experimenting, let's say, the commodity, so to say, of, of 5G or the, you know, the opportunity of, of 5G. But we are continuing working on that to make it even more, um, even better. Lasso. No, no, nothing to add. Uh, definitely the 5G transition is, uh, is on. Uh, all right. Okay. One more thing before we go. Uh, there's also a question from Zdenek Vanicek. There's growing impression around the world that uh, uh, 
under the pressure of overseas countries, some Eastern uh, European countries are sacrificing longer-term innovation, competition and con competitiveness. In addition, this does not bring us any further in terms of European digital sovereignty, but shifts the balance towards even more US dominance, distorts and reduces competition, will harm consumers long-term, etc. Is it correct or not? Uh, I would say that uh, the society, uh, the telco society or, or the ICT society is quite uh, split in different uh, groups and uh, I can remind the one good example when the uh, GSM, the second generation was created. Uh, when the GSM association or GSM memorandum of understanding were uh, putting at the same table uh, operators, uh, vendors and policy makers and uh, the decisions and the development of this technology which initially was just expected as a pan-European system very soon acquired all the world. And this is a good example how all the uh, experts, all the industries, all the politicians have to work together to create the environment which is uh, uh, useful for the society. Thank you, Mr. Binder. Thank you, uh, Claudia. Gentlemen, I will leave you, before you go, and before you go, our attendees, from this session, I will leave you with the artist's view on this topic. So, let's see how it looks from the artist's view.